Welcome to the Slighted Podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Nicole, and today we are listening to the second half of my conversation with Garrett Thomas. So I broke it up into two parts, and this is part two. If you haven't listened to part one, I'd highly recommend it. It's great. Uh, talks a lot about just how, um, what makes magic an art form. And now we're going to go to a story he has about um, working doing a workshop with comedians and it's a really great story and so uh but if you don't if you don't have time to listen to part one honestly all of the information is completely new info so you can jump right in now and listen all right let's go ahead and get into it because most comedians hate magicians really yep i didn't know that yeah i uh comedians believe that magicians will steal every joke that they tell if it fits in their show Okay. And the reason they believe that is because it's true. <laughs> That's fair. Um, I, I was studying a comedy workshop uh, with uh, a comedy writer, Scotty Meltzer, and uh, it was all about movement and comedy. Mm-hmm. And I knew that magic and comedy had similar structure. Mm-hmm. And uh, so just to help learn something new in magic, I studied these comedy movement workshop. When I told him I was a magician, he literally flipped out, threw his chair across the room. Holy Told, taught the class, there was like 30 of us doing a weekend, and this was day one. Oh he said, I effing hate magicians. I, you know, it is in my contract that if there is a magician performing at the comedy club, I will not perform. I don't care if he's doing walk around at the tables, I will not perform. And he's like teaching. Oh my God. Right? And he's saying, you know, they will take every line, every bit, things you've worked on for years, and steal it and put it in their show if it fits. Uh, the only comedian in any mention, Teller, said so the only magician I respect is Teller because everything he does is original. And I am sitting here going, thank goodness everything I do is original. Because right. this guy would have killed me. Right. You know, not literally, but right. he would have just been, I would have been the guy he attacked during the whole week. And I, I realized what happened. And the reason we've evolved into this state of mind is uh, I blame the magic shops. Mm. Uh, a lot of people want to blame books and videos and, and this. The problem with magic shops is we don't have art shops. You have art supply stores. Okay. Here's a canvas. Here's some paint. Go figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. They don't sell you a paint by number that you get to sell. Yeah, right. I see what you're okay? saying. Okay. Yeah. The magic, sh- the, the the the. And you don't have a comedy shop with the teaching like one liners. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But we have magic shops. Uh, the the worst thing that ever happened to magic was Don Allen's Invisible Deck. It was the first thing that was taught where it was scripted, prop. And, and presentation and everything sold as a package that you yourself can take and put in your show. Because Don Allen realized it was a close-up trick and he can't perform everywhere. Not knowing that in the future, just like having cars is hurting the planet, not knowing that in the future there's going to be 200 magicians every city and all of them want to do the invisible deck now. Mm-hmm. Okay. It should have been, here's some roughing fluid and here's a deck of cards, figure it out, kid. <laughs> right? But he wanted to make a buck. And he sold a paint-by-number that he allowed people to sell, and then more and more and more, and we're selling these paint-by-numbers. And legally, you are not technically allowed to perform it for money. 
I mean, the oh, way right, right, the way right, copyright things work, work in America is you are allowed to buy something and use it for own, your personal thing, but as soon as you make a dollar off it, even if it's written or unwritten, you need to pay an ASCAP fee to the guy who choreographed that piece. You can't do a fossy style mm-hmm. dance piece in a show without paying the the right. the family. You know, so the you know we right now we're we have this culture of magic where we don't we look the other way we don't care and we don't lawyer up, but technically the tricks you learn are supposed to be the paint-by-numbers that you practice with so that you can create your own magic. Right, Um, right. So there are these struggles with the the art of magic because the guy at the magic shop went, oh, that's great, I'm putting in act. Oh, that's great, I'm putting in act. Oh, that's great, I'm putting that in act. It's not yours because it's all you've just created. So he's trained in the magic shop to take and assimilate, take and assimilate, Mm -hmm. take and assimilate. Then he gets out of the magic shop and he sees another magician at a show and he takes and assimilates and takes and assimilates. Mm -hmm. And then he goes to a comedy club and sees a joke. Oh, that'll fit in my eight ball ball routine. Take and assimilate, Mm -hmm. take and assimilate. And so now magicians are trained by magic shops to take and assimilate. And now we have a culture of magicians that don't know it's wrong to hear a joke and take. Right. Right. Because they're trained yeah. in magic shops to take and assimilate. Because yeah. we as we as the industry of magic want to make a buck. And I don't think lectures even I've never heard that in a lecture being no. talked about. No, because being like, hey, because they because they pay us so little to do a lecture that I have to sell you stuff. Right. My mother, she's a portrait artist and she does these lectures because it's it's funded by the National Endowments of the Arts, she could be lecturing to seven people and she'll get five grand. Guess what she's not selling? Paintbrushes and paint and things. <laughs> she doesn't sell them things because she's getting paid enough to actually talk about the art. Right. If, you, if, if you've made a way... There are guys like me that want to teach magic, mm-hmm. that don't want to sell stuff. Mm-hmm. There are teachers of magic. There are Tyler Erickson and, guy, and, and, and people that want to go deep into these, these discussions about the structure of magic, and they don't want to sell you a thing. But you want to give me three hundred dollars to travel around the world to yeah. do a lecture? I you're forcing me to sell you stuff you don't need, right? Because the industry does that. So, you know, there's a major problem with the structure of the of the of magic. People know that more stuff isn't helping. They have access to all the information online, and guess what? It's not making you better. Right. What's going to make you better is more theory. When I was sixteen and yeah. I started doing lecture. They they said well, you said you started lecturing at sixteen. Yep. Oh my yeah, my first that's, VHS video. That's amazing. Uh, came, <laughs> came out. Uh, VHS. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I was uh, when I when I started lecturing. Uh, everyone told me, "Well, you're right, and we like it, but you know, you can just teach the tricks. We don't need to hear the theory." Now you can look up how to do every trick. So yeah. now what I hear people doing? Are you going to put out a book on theory? Because like. I mean, your tricks are great, but we want to hear more theory. Uh, Because they realize there's been a flip in the culture of magic. They realize tricks aren't helping. I think it's starting to. Because Eric and I talk a lot about that. Mm -hmm. Because he goes to the local, like the, is it IBM? You go to a local IBM IBM to hear lectures. And apparently the least like lectures are usually his favorite. Yeah, every time I go, when I hear members kind of like complain like I don't like that lecture that much and it's because they didn't teach that many tricks 
And it's you just want some more I, stuff. I, I walk out of it being like, I didn't learn any tricks. That's awesome. Perfect. Yeah. Like that's I, that, I loved that. I loved yeah. just talking about like the why, the ins, the outs. Like I'm that's like yeah. shoot the goggle last night. Yeah, I was talking about his dual timelines. Yep. Magic's happening, tricks happening. When's one end? Have that one. And I, I just had to be like, oh, I have not heard. I've never heard this. This is the greatest. Like, yeah. Yeah, we. Uh, I had a convention in uh, upstate New York where um, where it was called the Why Convention, where I had every lecturer come in and they can't teach how any trick is done. Unless That's it pertains cool. to the why. Okay. Every, you do your same lecture, sell your same stuff after, because I had to structure it to financially work for you. <coughs> yeah. uh, so do the same lecture that you always do, but don't teach how, only teach why. And then it, a lot of guys got nervous. A lot of, a lot of lecturers were like, okay, because we, we had some smart, it was a smart intellectual magic connoisseur crowd and they said uh why did you use a blue deck for that trick and not a red deck like for your other trick uh uh uh, uh i don't uh i don't know and it's like then you're not you're you if you didn't i mean an artist every choice they make is for a reason even if it's made up mm-hmm. there's a there should be a justified reason mm-hmm. for every choice you made over something else and it, and you know that conversation should should you should have an answer for mm-hmm. you know why you use a blue deck over a red, you know yeah. that shouldn't just be well I just grab something, yeah. you know um, there's there is a difference therefore there should have been a choice there should have been a value estimate there, so yeah if they're new to magic and they don't have a lot a, a lot of effects they can do they will want more effects but once you hit a tipping point. Then you realize more effects aren't helping, and and we're getting faster to that tipping point because of the internet. Right. So yeah, young people to the art will still want more tricks. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm still like the youngest person in my club. Well, I'm not saying young, and I, and I didn't say young oh. in age. Oh yeah. It, you know, magic. They've also, all been doing magic longer than I've lived. Yeah, but is... but 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 that doesn't matter. Okay. You know, there is there is a different things between uh, uh, youth and maturity. And, you know, if you've been doing crappy magic for 25 <laughs> years, you're, you haven't grown, you are still a five-year-old. You know, it's, right. magic is like chess. We don't care about what culture you're from. We don't care about what religion you are. We don't care about what you believe or how old you are. If you can do it, you can do it. You know, a grandmaster could be five years old mm-hmm. in, the art, in chess. doesn't matter. If you can do it, you can do it. And so magic's the same way. Your age is, not, is more about your maturity not about your actual how many years you've been doing it. Yeah. Um, flight time matters more than anything. You know, what makes me good, when I look back, it's not because I think differently, mm-hmm. which I do, but I don't think that's what made me good. It's because I did it five nights a week, every week since I was 16 years old. Right. Minimum. You know, and then I, then I do shows on top of it. Right. And then I ta- started teaching us, started teaching magic. And having this passion to teach taught me why. Because mm-hmm. I had to be accountable to all my choices. I had to say, this is a good way to do it, and this is why it's a good way to do it. Right. This is why I chose this move over this move. This is why all these other options are wrong, and this is right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I see people do versions that are all, it's one of the wrong answers I came up with, and I'm like, you do know that is wrong for a reason. 
And you're not a teacher unless you understand that that was wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're like, oh, well, I, I do ring thing, but I throw it from the side, not from underneath. And it's like, well, there's a reason why you don't throw it from the side. And you have to throw it from underneath. And, uh, and then, you know, then me being the creator of ring thing, I have to go back and fix everybody that learned it from Greg Wilson because he taught it. He thought, he thought it was a good idea to switch up the positioning. I gave him permission to teach it. But it was like, but now you, you didn't teach it my way. You changed things. Right. And now I have to go and fix everything that you taught because you changed the place where you toss it from. And now there's a flicker underneath the hand that shouldn't be there. And it needs to be justified by an up toss instead of a side toss. And that artistic decision was there for a reason. And now you eliminated it because you wanted a different version. And now I have to work harder. Right. So I got to a place where now I don't let anybody teach. New, people are allowed to perform my magic, but you, no one is allowed to teach my magic mm-hmm. because they'll miss one little thing. And now I got to spend, uh, you know, hours writing every kid on YouTube, going, "Well, you, please don't put my name in that because you're not doing it right." And uh, you know, I know you're trying to honor me, but if you don't do it right, you know. In, in, in a hundred years, people are going to look at a kid saying, this is Garrett Thomas's ring thing, and it's not. It's <laughs> not my ring thing. I don't know what that kid just did. He didn't do my ring thing, but now my name is historically attached to it in record mm-hmm. on video that could last forever. Mm-hmm. And I, so you have to, I have to work harder now to protect something that I didn't mess up because Greg Wilson changed the handling. Right. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of little issues like that that we're gonna. We, I mean, magic is such a young art. Yeah. You know, think about how long we've had music. Lex, let's Always. let's go back. How long did we have a drum beat before we added a voice, or maybe voice came first? I don't okay. know. But let's say if we go back, uh, you know, hundred million years when we started with a drum beat, and then we added a voice and a drum beat, and then we added a, a flute. Mm-hmm. But that could have been thirty, you know, thousand years. That could have been a million years before the voice and a flute. Mm-hmm. You know, we just, you know, we evolved into music, and 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 magic as a performance art, at least in the culture we have today, is only two thousand years old. Hmm. Okay. Right. If you think that the hieroglyphics are not gambling and is actually cups and balls, <laughs> right? Right. You know, because it could be either. You know, so right. do people argue? I feel like it's got to be potentially ancient. We just don't have records of it. I would hope the so. idea of... Because if you think about comedy, you have the jester from way back mm-hmm. then. Because we, we want to make people laugh. I think we want we want to sing. I think, you know, people want to make... Mm-hmm. Have that moment of, like, wonder doing something. So it might not be magic... Even real. Well, that's that's why I say in the culture we have today. Right, in the culture, I mean, yeah, in the culture. It, it human humans might have had these cultures many times over again. Mm-hmm. We might have, you know, the pyramids might be the remnants of, you know, a society that was more advanced than we are now. Right. You know, it's just everything's gone and everything's destroyed. Uh, we don't know. Uh, so, but today our culture has re-evolved magic for only about 2,000 years. True, I can see As that. a performance art. Right. Now, magic as the symbolism of protecting knowledge, the mage, the magi, the wizard, the person that knew something, the wise man uh, type of character, the magi, uh, that technically 
goes all the way back to the beginning of time. The mm-hmm. first person that knew f- how to make a fire and no one else did, he was a magician. <laughs> Automatically. Right. You know, because of that, uh, I believe I believe every science, every art form, every religion, every math, every, every heart emotion, every logical thing comes back to magic. That it all starts with one person manifesting it mm-hmm. and that person would have to be a magician even if they don't see themselves as a magician they would be looked at as weird and out mm-hmm. of place the first person starting to use numbers and to do math would have been a wizard because right. he would have information that no one else had mm-hmm. we call it spelling because you're casting a spell the scribes were considered magicians because they had the power to affect people without being there Mm-hmm. You know, all of all of uh, alchemy has now become chemistry and psychology. All of wizardry has now become weaponry. All of uh, witchcraft has become psych- uh, pharmacology. All of uh, you know shaman and shaman, shamanism. Some of that has become psychology. Uh, you know, those who could, could could influence people with drum beats is now music. You know, and all every art form comes back to this knowledge. Knowledge was power, and those who had knowledge and no one else did were the magi, were the okay. wise person, the, the the magician. And so, if you go back far enough, everything's magic. But I'm talking about magic as a performance mm-hmm. art, as a performance it's art for entertainment. New, yeah. Uh, and the point of magic is not entertainment, but as an entertainment, it does entertain. But to say that magic is entertainment misses the point of the question. Uh, everything is about entertainment. You know, mm-hmm. your the 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 paint, the color of this wall was to make it pleasing for the room, and it's entertaining right. us. Right, right, right. You know, every choice, every art form is about entertainment. It's why is it entertaining? Is when people ask, "What's the point of magic?" You can't say entertainment. You know, because skateboarding is entertainment, music is entertainment, mm-hmm. <laughs> dance is entertainment, you know, movies are entertainment. You know, what is an entertainment? A haunted house is entertaining because it scares you. So when people are asking why is ma- what is magic for, they're asking for the because. Mm-hmm. You know, not the, you know, music is entertaining because it makes you dance. Comedy is entertaining because it makes you laugh. Magic is entertaining because what? That's what people are asking when they say, what's the point of magic? You can't say magic is entertaining because it's entertaining. Mm -hmm. You can't put that there. The point of everything is entertainment because we are over you know, we need, we need, we, we are, we can't be bored. We can't have thoughts. We want (laughs) to be distracted constantly. So we need entertainment so that we don't think thoughts because that would be horrible. It is. Yeah. When you have my brain, it's horrifying. Yeah, it's dark. It's dark in there, isn't it? It's it's, it's hard in here. (laughs) <laughs> so, so because we, we, you know, well, and it really probably stems to that search for identity yes. that if I just am stay inside myself, I can't see myself. So therefore I want to get out of me so I can see me. Yeah. I'm using, I'm, I'm using like, everything as a mirror yeah. to project to myself what I am so that I don't lose self. Which I want to, I want to come back to this about identities. That's a topic I'm really fascinated about. But before we do that, I want to jump back to a story you were telling because mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know what happened. So when you were telling the story about uh, taking the comedy workshop and that guy, was, oh yeah, you know, furious the first day, I'm like, how did 
Do you keep going? How did you not get kicked out? Well, I out? showed him. I showed him my magic, and it was all original. You, how how did you show him? Like right then and there? Yeah. Like he got I, angry. He got. I want to hear got, this story. He said to me. He said to me that Teller is the only magician he respects, and because everything he does is original. And I I said and I and I said, well, I'm a close up magician, and I just I knew that comedy has a lot to do with magic, and. Uh, you know, all of my magics originally said, yeah, right. You know, he was upset. And so uh, I then showed him Bitcoin Little Purse. Oh, i never seen that. And then I showed him uh, my ring magic. Oh, that's cool. And then I explained to him what I explained to you here about magicians. There are, you're right. I, I said to him, you're right. Magicians do that. I don't because, you know, this is my art form. But there are magicians that will just take, and I explained to him what I already had figured out, luckily, mm -hmm. uh, was this assimilation magic shop problem in the, in the culture of magic we have today, uh, where we don't, we don't encourage people to dream. We don't encourage magicians to make magic because magic industry wants to sell you magic. And if you start making your own magic, you don't need the magic industry, mm -hmm. and they want to make a dollar. You know, They want you to buy magic from them. They don't want you to think. They don't want you to know why it works because then you won't buy a new trick. And this happened like day one of class, like people. Like, I explained this to him yeah. what the magic industry was right. doing slowly, and it just gets bigger and bigger. Um, but this was, you know, ever since we had a magic shops, this has been an issue. Yeah. It's not. It's not a new problem. The so problem in is, the end, though, he's he kinda, he respected he, me. Yeah. He still hates magicians. Okay, right, right, right. Which is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I, I, I earned it. I, right. I had to work hard to, to, and I had to have a lot of empathy and a lot of patience to mm -hmm. watch his tirade. But the thing that, I, that hit me was he was teaching this to comedians, telling them, put it in your contract. Yeah. Because I'm the one magician in a room full of acrobats and comedians. Right. Because this was a comedy movement workshop. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, he was teaching this, and he's right. Right. I mean, I, 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 I could not say, no, you're wrong, you don't get it, you don't understand what we're doing. No, he's 100% right. Magicians will hear a joke and take mm -hmm. it and put it in their act. Because they think that's all they know. That's all, mm -hmm. that's all the magic community has trained them to do. We never taught people how to think. Yeah. I am dyslexic. I'm 100% dyslexic. I've never read a magic book in my life. Right. Which is why I started inventing. I didn't want that. That didn't stop me. Right. So I, I got lucky. The reason I think about magic and the reason I am the way I am is because I wasn't programmed by the books that people read. I didn't get told what to do. I had to discover what to mm -hmm. do, which taught me why they work, not just how to do it. Right. The books train you to, to copy mm -hmm. what, the, what, what people that thought did. Right. And that doesn't teach you how to think. Right. It doesn't teach you how to, how to go, how to have other, you know, options. Mm -hmm. You have to. You now have to do it exactly the way Slidini did it. So much so that Slidini students sometimes use his accent. <laughs> you know, and it's like that's not teaching. That's apprenticeship. That's, yeah. yeah. And in 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 that's in a, mimicking. It's mimicking, mimicking, and there's room for that in like martial arts, where right. if you don't do what the master does, you're gonna get thrown across the room. <laughs> But in an, an expressive art form about identity and an individuality, you do not want cloning. Mm -hmm. You do not want do as the master. Mm -hmm. You don't want master apprentice. What you need is inspiration 
and now introversion, and let's pull magic out of you. Mm-hmm. The stuff that I design for guys like David Blaine and things like that, I'm not teaching them tricks that I do. I'm pulling magic out of them. I'm going, what makes up you, and what do you want to talk about, and what represents you, and let's let's turn that into a magic thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I like doing that. I like working with someone and designing an effect with them mm-hmm. and showing them the creative process of discovering their magic. Right. Because you're, so when, because basically that's, you're, that would be considered consulting, right? Yeah. And so when you consult, um, it almost sounds like you are working with someone, mm-hmm. working together, mm-hmm. to, almost like brainstorming, like Absolutely. creative thinking. Yeah. like totally. Which I think um, actually ties back to a question from someone uh, who's a younger magician who was saying sort of like, he, his question was like, how do you go about being creative? Like, what's the creative process look like? Because it can be really daunting. And mm-hmm. so it kind of sounds like what you're saying and what I've heard Eric says, like, you want to have some friends, a couple of close friends in magic to help do, like, you need time, obviously, by yourself, but then also yeah. probably time with other magicians, too. Yeah, there is, there is a balance that you need, and to be creative in any art form, you need a, a safe environment. You can't learn if you're hungry. You can't learn if you're distracted. Mm-hmm. You need a safe environment that you feel comfortable in messing up. Mm-hmm. You need a, a, a positive environment that's not going to put you down for being silly, dumb, and experimenting and failing. And it's got to be a, a an environment where it's okay to fail. Yeah. So um, you need to play. You need to become a child again and just screw around and mess around with anything and everything and do silly, stupid stuff. You mm-hmm. want to stop being smart. You need to get rid of your brain and just become a child again. And that will get the foundation of ideas out of you. Mm-hmm. Because the real you is underneath the language that you learned. Right. The real thoughts, the language that you think in that you think is you now, you were taught that language. That's not you. Yeah. The real you is underneath that language, and you haven't thought with those with, without words in your head for quite some time. You need to get rid of your, your word language. You, you need to get rid of the brain that is thinking in words and just get into a flow state, get into a zone, and just be mm-hmm. and experiment and play. Mm-hmm. Then you stop. And you look at the mess you made, and you choose which pieces. And so now you put your brain back in, and then you choose which pieces are got. There's something there. Mm-hmm. Then you experiment intellectually with that. Then you take it as far as you can go, uh, and see if there's something worth going further on. Then you show it to non-magician friends. Mm-hmm. You once you once you've now got something that's good, and you see what they say. If they think it's cool, then you go back to the drawing board, experiment, play, do all that stuff again. Then you ask a magician friend if there's anything they know that could adjust and help mm-hmm. with that. Uh, I think that's my creative process, uh, is, is often putting on a dunce cap and playing. Mm-hmm. Becoming, you know, you, it, just raw creativity is just a flow state of 
chaos. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in David Blaine's office, uh, we have, a, a, you know, a cleaning team that comes in every other day and, and, I, and they keep on moving stuff. And I'm like, David, you know, we had, where's the deck of cards that was over here? Oh, it's up there now in, in a row, stacked nicely. And I mean, they, they know not to change the order of anything, but now it's not where I left it. And I'm like, you know, when I put it down, I had a thought. And if I saw it in that same exact position, it would bring back the thought because of my dyslexia. Right. That's how I work. Right. But I'm like, having it next to the rubber bands might have made us go, wait a minute, what if we use a rubber band for this? You need mess. You don't need dirty, but you need clutter mm -hmm. in a creative zone. You need chaos. You, need, you, you can't have it organized. You can't organize creativity. So you can organize and you can, you can set up an environment where creativity can happen, but you need chaos, you need clutter, you need mess. You need to go, wait a minute, what if we take these paper clips and use that tape and then we throw it against the wall? No, that's stupid. Uh, <laughs> you know, or whatever, but you need to play. Right. You know, and that's going to help a lot. Um, we, we don't, the magic culture doesn't allow people to play. We already sell them everything so they don't have to think at all. There is no creativity in the structure of, yeah. of educating and training and teaching the art of magic. We teach what the past magicians have done, and no one's teaching how to do something new. Right, right. That's, that's cool. And I, I, I hope people will listen and, and make, well, they start making to. those changes. You know, uh. every human being is, we, we, we're trained, you know, not to be creative. You know, every child is automatically chaos and creative and, you know, this cardboard box is a space helmet and, you know, they play. You don't have to teach a child mm -hmm. to be creative. You have to stop them from being creative so that they can assimilate into society. <laughs> you know, we give them standardized testing and, mm -hmm. and, and structure and then we tell them now that you're done with school, now be creative again. Right. When the time that they were, you could have fostered creativity when it was natural. Right. Every human being is creative, and then we stop that. Right. And then, because we want them to fit into society, and we want to make sure they're not psychopaths, mm -hmm. so we train them. And then we try to bring them back to a childlike state, and only the adults that do are the ones we love. The people we make fun of in high school are the ones we celebrate later in life. You know, Elton John. Is, and we're like, oh, I wish I could be so free. And like, you picked on that, that guy in, yeah. in, in high school. And now you wish you were not sitting in some cubicle. And I could just be on stage and just be me and not give a shit what anyone else thinks. And now we celebrate the adults that don't right. lose the childlike state. You know, when we beat it out of them. And these are the few celebrities that we that didn't 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 bend, didn't lose that childlike state, and you know that's what we're celebrating when we celebrate people. When we have celebrities, we are celebrating the fact that they didn't get the child beat out of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> they didn't get the child beat out of them. It's In a, a way, good, it's a I mean, society. I mean, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird turn of phrase, but you, you know, you know what I mean. The uh, life. You know, the structure of, of civilization forces us to have imposed rules mm -hmm. that make us wear clothes mm -hmm. and use paper fake monopoly money as 
value of what I invested in my time so I can exchange things for stuff. It's all an illusion. Right. You know, people look at me and go, why, why is it possible that you can fool us? I'm like, we're living in a, in a fantasy. Yeah. We have all these made-up things that are, are, make it great because I don't have to worry about lions, tigers, and bears animals that are truly higher on the food chain to attack mm-hmm. me because we built walls, mm-hmm. you know, but technically we are not the top of the food chain, <laughs> you know, we are in the middle. So, but we're smarter. So we make a world up where we are the top of the food chain, where, <laughs> where we put animals in boxes and we call them meat, you know, and, right. and uh, you know, <clears throat> that's, that is the, the world we've invite, invented. So we're God now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's, that's a, uh, would I want to get rid of that? I don't know, but you know, to me, if if we're gonna we're gonna be a god, we should act like one, and we should care about everything underneath us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you know, it's just society. It's just this made up thing that doesn't really exist. But it's what works, mm-hmm. you know. And we all play this game. We use paper money that has no value, uh, but it's our it's our imagination that structures these this civilization. Uh, So magic is just me twisting something that's already an illusion. So I take this coin. It's it's just a piece of metal. It's not even a coin. But to you, it has value because there's something stamped on it. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, what what are we doing? You know, but it's, 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 you know, it's part of the world. It's part of, by twisting these moments, you make people realize that it's all an illusion. Mm -hmm. And yes, it's an illusion we, we play. And it's an illusion we want to play because we haven't met someone smart enough to create something different. But so we all use this system. We all wear clothes. We all have society. We all have money. Uh, but you do need to know in the back of your mind that it is just a game we're playing. Mm-hmm. Another thing I want to touch back on is we kind of talked a couple times about identity, which is obviously a very, it can be, it's a big concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and so more specifically, when we looked at your self-portrait that you did, mm-hmm. uh, you were saying it's really there's a easy. Yeah, there's a duality, but you said it, it's easy to get stuck um, and not move past the stage of yeah. like um, uh, like wearing mask. a mask. Yeah. Um, can you tell me more of like how you were able to get past that for yourself, or if you by are? by redefining magic. Mm-hmm. I stopped wearing it as a mask because I knew I wasn't supernatural. I never could be a magician. Mm-hmm. You know, how can you, I'm a magician. I'm a real magician. Oh, you do real magic? Yes, I do. I can say that now, but when I was not understanding what the word magic meant, I couldn't say that because mm-hmm. I thought magic meant supernatural. And when you do a, when you have a paradigm shift of what the word magic means, you can then own it. Mm-hmm. And so magic at first was a way to push people away safely. Mm-hmm. I, I would still be with them, but they didn't know that this was a, a wall that I used to protect this child that was hurting. Mm-hmm. So then as I grew and started forming my idea of what truth is in my world and, and the things I had to go through to get there, um, I didn't want to let go of magic because I, even though I knew at first it was a security blanket, uh, now I still love it. 
mm-hmm. you know, because it, I now see it as a valuable thing I can give people. Mm-hmm. It's no longer there to protect me. Mm-hmm. It's there to connect. Which, so, so, and that I'm assuming then that's also a way for you to be vulnerable with a person because there's a difference, right, um, in being, you can be open, mm-hmm. um, but you can also be vulnerable. So if you get rid of the mask, then wouldn't that be a way of being vulnerable with someone because you're showing yes. who you are? and that's what I needed to be. Mm-hmm. And I think every art form is good if you're vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so what I did is inst- I took it. I took off the mask mm-hmm. and made it something I give people. I am now taking my mask off, being vulnerable, and giving people mm-hmm. this illusion, this Which match. you had said earlier, it costs you nothing, but I think that can be cost. At Possibly? first, at first, it's terrifying. Right. At first, the the costs guess, seem high. Yeah, but it's maybe it's though. you're right. I guess because you know what I've met people that I think the more secure you are in yourself, the less cost it is to give that to someone because you're not. If if you're, you're if you are in a phase where magic is a mask to you, mm-hmm. you think there is a cost mm-hmm. to taking it off. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, there's not. You will not believe me. And you'll be afraid, but as soon as you get that mask off, you'll realize it. It, it was. It's. It's more valuable off, mm-hmm. and the, it. It wasn't a cost. It was a reward. Mm-hmm. It, you didn't lose anything. You gained. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, but the the it's terrifying, to when you become so comfortable with that that layer, right. that is there to protect you. you How know. old do you think you were when you started? Um, it was actually the, the guy who helped me take the mask off was Juan Tamarez. Oh, really? Um, I, I was already 16 performing magic shows and I knew, uh, I was already doing shows and I'd never seen, witnessed astonishment. <laughs> uh, the American culture doesn't allow people to experience magic. As soon as a child likes magic, we buy them a magic kit which is the equivalent of Daddy, Daddy, I really like Eric Clapton. Well, here's a guitar. Right. If you like Eric Clapton, you go see his show, you go listen to his music, you get an album, you get a T-shirt. You don't learn how to play guitar. Right. But if you like magic, magicians told Dad to buy him a magic kit. That's the dumbest thing to do. It's okay for me to like Broadway and not sing and dance. Mm-hmm. And this is important to me because I was my dad liked magic. I was six, and he had this trick that he he bought from Eddie Factor, four uh, F magician founder, mm-hmm. and he knew this. He had this one gimmick, and that got me at my attention. I eventually stole that gimmick from him, and you know, you know, eventually started learning uh, these tricks. And I went to this guy, and he taught me a thing. He was clown at my sister's birthday then I went to a magic shop and I learned more and I learned more and I learned more but I never experienced true astonishment then I, then I'm doing shows and I still haven't experienced true astonishment because the only way American culture celebrates magic is to purchase the magic kit to purchase the effect you know most people at magic conventions aren't here to learn magic they want to say thank you for doing good magic, and the only way they can do it is to by purchasing the video, purchasing the instructions. And so, I'm I'm now 18, and uh, 
it's four o'clock in the morning and we're at the 4F convention and uh, Juan Tamarez comes back downstairs and proceeds to be destroy us all over and over. Uh, I am not a fan of his character on stage, but the man is, you know, just understands the environment in a close-up room and connects with people. Uh, this, we're sitting in a hotel lobby, and it's Raphael Benatar, Guy Hollingsworth, Simon Lavelle, Howie Schwartzman, Ray Mertz, uh, you know, all these real guys I've read about, you know, you know, I've heard their names, tricks that I've, you know, n known. And I'm sitting there going, oh, this is cool. One time Rez comes down and does this thing. And we are literally swearing at him. <laughs> and, you know, and he did the, he did these effects that were amazing. Uh, cards were changing and he never touched them and, and just impossibilities. Uh, and then I'm driving home and I can't let go of this thought. I can't, I keep on going, what the hell was that? <laughs> what did, what, what I, and I knew magic, so it was even worse for me. <laughs> and I think in hindsight, there were a couple of tricks that he, he probably saw me and saw where I was at. And fed into, you know, things that if I was Guy Hollingsworth, like if I talked to Guy today, he probably wouldn't even have remembered one of the tricks that hit me the heaviest. He's like, no, the one with the two decks. And I'm like, no, the one with the four cards. Oh, that was just, you know, you know, it wouldn't have hit him. But it, it, I think, I think, you know, Tom Rez saw me and just said, you, you know, you're just starting. I'm going to do this little thing for you. And it messed with me so bad that it took me six months for the thought to settle. And I realized that's what astonishment was. So I'm already a professional magician and I'm at 4F. And I had not understood the gift I was giving. And as soon as I understood, oh, wait a minute. You're just giving people a moment they can't place a moment that can't settle. You're just giving a th them a thought that won't stop. Mm -hmm. It's this breath of fresh air for the brain, that a thought that won't fit in any box that mm -hmm. you've already pre-constructed in your, in your brain. And it just stirs the mind, and that's the value of magic, is this moment of astonishment. What Paul Harris says is the art of astonishment. And it hit me so hard that... I reevaluated all of my structure, all of my, my everything, and then I said, well, if I provide that moment, I'm a magician. And I could be own, I could take my mask off, because I'm not a guy pretending to be a magician. I am a magician. Mm -hmm. Like a hypnotist cannot hypnotize you. The hypnotist can set up the conditions for you to enter an alternate state of mind called hypnosis, but a hypnotist has no power, he's a guide. Well, I can't do anything supernatural, but I am a magician because I can set up the conditions for you to experience magic, and I am a guide. The magician, the magi, is the one that can set up the scenario for you, from your point of view, to experience that abnormality. And that can be owned. I can say I am a magician because mm -hmm. I provide this moment. Uh, and then my mask went away mm -hmm. after I realized, and then I started reconstructing everything. 
and uh, reevaluating uh, what was my magic and what was going to be my magic. That's so cool. Well, I think we're going to actually stop here. Uh, not because I want to stop here, but I'm like, you know what? Like, we're going to, well, I, I think I can easily say at this point, this is my favorite person <laughs> to, I've ever interviewed. I'm like, this is, like, I, I try and go into an interview with, like, as little preconceived ideas or like just like oh I'll have a couple questions that are ready but then just go with whatever yeah. like I like to have a con- the what what you talk about a magician like uh, guiding you like whenever I do an interview I want yeah to like be guided by whoever I'm talking to so yeah. thank you so much because I literally love talking to you thank you so much yeah. so. my pleasure. I could have kept talking to Gary Thomas for easily another hour, but after doing an hour and 10 minutes, we had to get back to the convention at Trix. So I will definitely have to have him back on again because there was so much more we could have kept talking about. I think my favorite parts is just the talking about wearing masks and how to take that off and identity and how, you know, whatever we're doing, it's we're really just trying to sort of find ourselves and so you know if you're passionate about magic whenever you're performing you're really just putting yourself out there so that you can continue to find yourself and I just thought that was that's something I want to talk more about with Garrett so next time I get a chance to talk to him get back into identity it's a topic I'm fascinated by yeah all right so that is all thanks for tuning in and we will be back again soon